Okay. Larry Gadia from Envoy. Now, all right, for the people who are watching this now, this is a story like you would think doesn't exist. It's like a movie in terms of how he got to where he started to where he is now. So with that, with that in mind, I'll put it to you, Larry. Maybe you could give a story of how you, as a young man, what happened and how you came over here ultimately to the US and built this unicorn over, I don't know, I'm not sure if the lawyers let me talk about this, but I guess they're not my lawyers. They're like probably $1.4 million billion. So this is, this is a really cool, interesting arc. So anybody who is career oriented, maybe thinking a little bit of entrepreneurship, you definitely want to watch this in here. So Larry, maybe you could tell a bit about your backstory, your origin story, and about Envoy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Jack. Like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to talk again. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's always really interesting. Like, I mean, it's always really, really weird to talk about myself, but let's, let's give it a shot here. Um, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, like, here's the thing, right? Like I was born in Romania. This was like, uh, what's a uh, late eighties and, um, and my parents, so uh, born there, that was whole, the whole like Ceausescu thing and like all that. So communism and all that is, is a big thing. My parents were like, we don't want any of that. So what they ended up doing is they, um, we packed up bags in, in a communist government, my dad, and, and, and leave uh, for uh, what eventually ended up being Canada where I grew up. Like just getting there is, is interesting because um, you're, you're not technically allowed to leave. You can, if you leave a child behind is the official policy. So, so the idea is that no parents would leave their children behind um, uh, for much longer than like maybe a couple of days or, or like a couple of weeks. So yeah, so that was fun. So basically they went on to, to Germany um, by claiming that I was, um, that I was kind of, I was being left behind and I'll be back in, and they'll be back in like a week. Yeah. Well, what actually turned out to happen is I was still with them. I was just underneath this like backseat of a car. Um, the, the cars did not have safety standards back then. And, um, and they found a spot, they put me under there. So then that way we were all together. And then away we went to, uh, to Germany where, where we spent a little bit of time. And then from there we went to, to Canada. Um, now, yeah, that was, it was pretty wild. You don't normally like kind of grow up that way, no. but, um, of course I don't remember any of it and uh, I have pictures that there's evidence. Um, but it's, it's essentially like, yeah, my parents are super resilient. They really wanted to better for, for all of us. And, and that's how we ended up in this, in this world. And yeah, it, it takes a lot. Like, I mean, you take that kind of risk. Like I just owe it to my parents. I know these days they're like retired and now. Now they're like doing this, they just like moved, uh, just like literally decided to move. And, and then suddenly everything goes, there's like a, a truck to pick up all the things, there's all this flights and stuff. And it, it's just kind of like, damn, I didn't know they still had it. Like, that's pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, now it's, it's the resilience, it's the like ambition. Um, I think just like in general, like even in the story in Germany and stuff, it's like the hard work, the really necessary to get enough money to get to Canada. So yeah, just really, really owe it to them. I think there's a lot of really, really great values that, uh, that folks as parents have, but maybe don't know about. Yeah. If they caught you, what would have happened? I mean, would it, could it end in kind of violence? Could something have really maybe, horrible Yeah, happen? I think so. I mean, right. Like if, if, if a government catches you doing that kind of stuff now, I, I think that like um, there, this was kind of like a proven thing. I mean, there was like millions of people doing it, but like they, they kind of, I think they knew people who had done something like this before. And like, um, they, they'd known like, Hey, these government, like the, this is, you want to go there at 6 45 PM. That's when like this guy goes up and, 
uh, and then that way you can cross. But yeah, I think there would have been like if we would have done it poorly, there there's risk. There's risk in anything great, and and that's the kind of like you have to kind of put up with that. But um, but yeah, I mean in the end, I mean that determination really made it work for them, and and then we all got across and uh, and in part two of the of the the saga. But yeah, it's it's so wild. So so uh, some you know on my side of family, so they were in Russia, but. I thought it was Russia, but I'm not sure now because the borders, and you know this better than I, it seems the borders keep switching. So it might've been Ukraine, uh, Russia, maybe parts of Poland, and they're, you know, they're Jewish and there's a lot of anti-Semitism, and the, you had Cossacks who would come into these small villages and just, just terrorize people, and they decided to leave. But they really weren't allowed to leave, but they were persecuted where they were. So same thing, they had to sneak out and kind of the story, and I don't know if it was embellished over the years or not, but one of the stories was that as they were leaving, they were being shot at, at because they were trying to cross the border and get out. Um, I don't think they exaggerated because you hear so many other stories kind of similar where I guess you wanna make an example that if you shoot somebody, then the next person's gonna say, hey, we're not gonna leave, we'll just stay there. And what blows my mind too is that your parents and my grandparents, in their case, I think they went to Israel first. Well, they may have stopped somewhere in Europe, then to Israel, then came up, and then it's somewhere in Latin America. And what my dad would tell me is that, like, his dad was just really like shy and quiet. So it was crazy, you know, wild that they did it. And if they didn't leave, they would have been in World War II, and it would have been a really horrible fate. So it's, it's, these stories are so wild. And then the, it's so brave to do that. Cause can you imagine now as an adult saying, I'm going to go to a complete different country, not know the language, not know the culture and just start all over again. People That's, do that. Right. It's yeah, scary. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Like it's what I, I, I mean, I could not admire it more. Like just the like ambition, the like the full tolerance of the risks now understanding the risks ahead of time is important there um but it's it's kind of like um yeah i mean even my parents who were i mean these were like educated people like my my mom had like a master's in something my dad also like he'd been doing all this highly technical trained stuff and then it's like when we got to germany so now they decide to do this when you get to a new country that you're not supposed to be there what happens is you can't really just take a job so uh and like make money so what they did is they did take a job but in a weird way like so my dad is like out like picking berries and like doing all this kind of like under the table stuff my mom was like cleaning houses and for what it's worth it was a nice house but it's it's like it's just this kind of world where it's totally different you have to do these things that like you were not used to but I mean you just kind of see it you got to do whatever it takes and it's it's on the way to something and I mean they just meant the best for us and uh, for, I also have a brother and and he was part of this uh, this saga as well. And, and it's just, yeah, there's a lot. You got to put up with a lot to be able to achieve things. And I think uh, they really fought there. Um, we did that for, I think they were all in. It was like, uh, like three years or something um, in Germany. And then after that, we, um, it, because we, these are educated people. Uh, so my, my dad um, like applied to Canada Canada at the time needed COBOL programmers, which is not too dissimilar from today. Um, and, and it's still basically a fact, but like he was, uh, he went to work for the government and um, as a COBOL programmer. And of course that, that's, that has some very good job security. Let's just put it that way. 
And he, uh, like, and that's once he kind of, he went there, did the little trial period for like a month or two. Uh, they loved him, imported all of us. And, uh, and then basically we ended up growing up in Ottawa, Canada, where the only employer is the government. <laughs> um, so that was fun. Yeah. It's, it's what I, I wonder too, like here in the U.S., where you, so many immigrants here are successful. And, and, and I think, I wonder if it's because there was such an ordeal to get away from where they were. And you have to have a lot of inner strength and determination to say, hey, I'm going to go somewhere new, start over. You know, I'm highly educated, but now I'm cleaning houses or picking berries. And you have to put your ego aside. And then I think once you come here to whether Canada or, or England or the US, you're like, you know what? I worked this hard. I'm going to make it. So, because you do see so many people, either first generation or new immigrants, who start businesses, who build businesses, and I think because after they take that risk, they're like, okay, nothing's going to stop me. I wonder if there's something yeah. to that, right? Like, once I did this, you know what? Bring it yeah. on. <laughs> they have some on. requirements. Like, I mean, uh, Canada's a little bit more lax on this stuff, but they they just have more types of ways of getting the criteria to get into the country. Um, the U.S. is just like flat out extremely aggressive in their demands from from people. Like, yeah. I mean, literally, there's some visas. When I ended up coming in, like, I came on this visa that's like equivalent to like a Nobel Prize winner. Now, let me be very clear. I am no Nobel Prize winner. But like, yeah. these are, you have to literally have these requirements, like this list of like eight or nine things that like, you have to have been published in like seven different journals and you have to include them. And it's, Jeez. it's this list. So it's kind of like, it's, it's a little bit of like a selection bias, I guess, where the reason a lot of these immigrants are, are just like doing like pretty hot is just, they had these absurd amounts of requirements to get into the country. Now, for better or for worse, I could see pros and cons to that, of course. But it's it's just like uh, a lot of the time these people fought. And it's like if they get in, you have not seen the history of like what they had to go through. So I guess it's it's good. But it's also, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it, there's a lot to it. That's for sure. But it's uh, not a, but there's a lot of other really great people, though, that don't get that opportunity. And it's it's a balance always, but I think with any kind of perseverance and like nonstop trying of anything, like they will achieve it um, as egregious as those uh, border interviews are. Yeah, I, I don't mean to be too forward, but because of the adversity that your parents had to endure, did you feel any pressure as a young, you know, growing up that, okay, I have to achieve, they did all this for me and my brother, I can't, was there any of that or? or I, I think you're kind of like when, when people are like born into something, um, they don't really realize it. Like it's, yeah. it's a, like my parents have always been working really hard. They don't like shy away from that. They're never like laziness is like, they, I mean, just culturally where they're from, it's kind of like if somebody is lazy, like they get called out on it like very <laughs> aggressively. So, I mean, it just goes back to like hard work. Right. So it's, it's just kind of like it's built in, you don't really realize it. Um, and then kind of, just one of the biggest things I value, of course, is going to be hard work. Uh, this includes everyone, including myself. Like, it's just uh, now being an engineer, there's like this interesting combo of, of you want to like, you want to do really good things, but you also are a little bit lazy and that you like, <laughs> don't want to just have everything done for you. Like, but you want machines to do it. So it's kind of like you, you spend like hours and hours and hours to automate something that's going to take like that, that like it, you could have done in just like the 20 minutes. But um, but there's something about building a machine that's like replicable and and uh, and predictable and scalable 
And I don't know, at the end of the day, like there's this weird version of, you just don't want to repeat the same menial thing over and over. So, so it's interesting. So you, your dad was not a technology guy, so I guess maybe passed it on to you. And then, so, and then, so how to start, you worked at Google a little bit and then Twitter before yeah. founding Envoy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, uh, so basically, yeah, I mean, okay, so I was in Canada, there's all this, like, I mean, that's where I grew up, and I went to school there, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, now, of course, with the, the wondrousness of the internet, you can, you can be anywhere in the world, and, and really what, what helped at the time was really just, like, learning about new technologies, learning about different things that, that, that you can kind of use a computer for, and, and how to scale it, and that kind of thing, so, I, I ended up building this like plugin for this uh, Google product, 2005 we're talking about here. Um, and it's like, a, it was this thing called Google Desktop Search. Uh, you could you could basically find files on your computer. I love uh, that, much they like, did away with it, uh, right? I yeah, love they that. did, they did. There's, there was like some uh, competition stuff too, but yeah. then it's like Microsoft got into it with their little sidebar yeah. on Windows uh, 7 at the time, which is uh, exciting. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, so that there was that, and, and kind of what I, and the reason that was really powerful for at least my story was it, it um, so I'd, I'd like, okay, other story here, but like I'd gone into um, a game and, and, uh, and, and like, it's kind of like working around uh, copyright protection mm -hmm. on games and on like different software. You can like reverse engineer them to make them do things that they weren't supposed to. Um, so, so that was like a side little hobby thing. But when Google came out with Google desktop search, one thing that that really got interesting was like hey so this thing searches all of the popular formats so like txt files and like microsoft word and all that kind of thing but the thing is it didn't search what i use so i used i don't know why but this is just reality i was using word perfect if you remember that mm -hmm. um and and we're perfect corel uh, is is the company that owns it and they were they were based in ottawa that's one of the other employers of, of ottawa and and the thing about um, WordPerfect is like it wasn't supported in this in this software. So I was like, well, you know what? I want to use the Google thing because I really like Google at the time. I still do. And it's it's like it, it's this really great um, uh, like uh, I wanted to use it. So I I reverse engineered its executable to make it uh, allow WordPerfect files to be indexed along with Microsoft Word and Excel and all these other things. So after I did that, I was like, I bet you this other word perfect loving people out there. Loving is a strong word here, but we'll go with it. And, uh, and what happened is it just like when I put it up online, it just blew up overnight. All these different kind of like what it turns out that um, there's a bunch of lawyers that were required to have written to have uh, during like, you know, in, in like court cases where there's like the person typing on the computer. Um, all those transcripts, it was required by law to use WordPerfect to, to transcribe everything. So there's all these lawyers that were like, whoa, 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 you're telling me I can search every single transcript that's ever happened in like, in, in, in a blink of an eye and, and like we can just get all this like, I don't know, precedent setting stuff. And, and it's like, so my little weird hack of a plugin was a, um, was a thing that triggered uh, just all these downloads and all this usage. So Google desktop search, like it wasn't overnight, but over the span of like a few weeks was like, whoa, this is a lot of usage. What's going on here? Why is this weird hacked version of our executable online? And, uh, and then they like looked into it. So I eventually get this call from, from them. And it's just like, 
I, I pick it up. It's like, this is like somebody at Google and I'm like, oh no, this is it. Like the police will come crashing in. Like do I <laughs> yeah. start up the magnets? Like, what do I do? And then, um, yeah. and then they're like, no, no, no. This is like, I forget the guy's name. It was like, um, uh, it's like Quran or uh, what's his, uh, yeah, it, it, the, the PM on Google desktop yeah. search at the time. He was like, uh, uh, yeah, Nikhil Batla, that was his name. And then he's like, no, 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 we're, we're really excited. The real question is, why are you doing this as a weird hack job on your own at home? Yeah. Like, why don't you just come work with us here and build this properly? Like, we would love to have how, it. Well, how much was your mind blown when that happened? When you said that, like, were you like- Well, I was kidding? very happy. I, I could like turn off the magnets and I didn't have to panic and like start packing <laughs> my stuff and running. But it was, um, it was, it was, like, I mean, it was uh, obviously, I mean, at the time, okay, so part of the story here is that so I went through the interview process. Uh, of course, I was really blown away, really excited. I went through the interview process. Um, I ended up getting an offer, but I don't know, something went wrong in the interview process where they didn't ask, hey, so um, so like, where do you live? And, and like, what kind of visas do you need? And also like, how old are you? So I was 17 at the time. And um, so I didn't know that. So when they gave me the offer and they're like, when can you start? I was like, well, I don't know. I need to like, I need to get my, I need to graduate first. And then I think then Canada lets me escape and then I can come to, yeah. uh, to the U.S. The U.S., of course, won't, won't import me either, given uh, that, that it's like not 18. So, um, so then they're like, whoa, 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 oh no. And then they looked it up and it's like, oh geez, okay, are we gonna need visas? Also, wait a second, you're telling us you don't have a university degree. And I'm like, I got accepted in a university yeah. I'm gonna be going, it's gonna be great. So you're a high school and, kid. So this is yeah, your high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there was this like very interesting uh, thing. So. What we ended up doing is I was like training in the U.S. as like um, like an intern. Um, it was like a two month thing at first, and then and then I got the bright idea to ask my boss's boss's boss, "Hey, this was really fun. Can I continue doing like documentation and this kind of thing while I'm back in Canada?" And and if there's one thing anybody will ever say yes to without even thinking about it, is somebody volunteering to write documentation for software. <laughs> So Wait, is that why, is that a boring thing? Is that like, yeah, it to... is. It's just like you're a lot of, I mean, engineers want to write things, right? They want to build right. things. They want to like see things work and like uh, scale it out and that kind of thing. Uh, writing the documentation is not exactly very flashy. But or you're a 17 year old kid. It's Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll see, do that's, it. That's the thing. The, the, the younger people are the more excited they are about yeah. like really, really mundane things. So it's kind of like, I was really excited about it. I mean, I'm sure I, your friends were like working at Burger King or something. So you're like, yeah, hey, yeah. I'm gonna do this. This is cool. But now this they can get awesome. started with desktop search yeah. plugins. It's gonna be great. Well, so that's the thing. So I would write tutorials. And of course, being like younger at age, I was, I wanted, like, I like colors. I like pictures. And like, we, we had all these, like, so there'd be all these step-by-step -step tutorials that were like, I spent a lot of time cropping screenshots and making sure exactly the right thing is in frame. And I mean, people learning the platform really liked seeing that stuff too. So it's, it's just kind of what it turned into was this world where, yeah, they, they had this kid that like knew the product, had proven that the product, that they knew the product and had spent with time with them there in, um, in what is it, 2005. You should have seen me at the time. It was, it was really great. I was, uh, I, I was later told I was the, the second youngest kid that had ever worked at, at Google, which was exciting. Um, yeah. the I tried to meet the first one, but uh, there was, I, I could never, I could never yeah. find out how that guy beat me to it. But regardless, it turned into a thing where now it got renewed to like, I could work from home um, yeah. while I was in Canada or while I was taking, getting my university degree. Which was uh, uncommon then, back in 2015, you know, working remotely yeah. work, that was not really a thing. 
Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, see, here's, I mean, I have this whole view on like hybrid work in the future and that kind of thing. And it's a little bit like, it's like, hey guys, we've been doing this for like literally like years uh, here before. Like, it's not like work from home is some some like new novel concept for a lot of the companies around here. Like even before the pandemic, people were doing like three days or like that kind of thing. And they're like, it, it takes a lot of focus to like build something great. And like, you can't do it with people throwing stuff around you. So it's, it's kind of like, you will take the day at home and just really focus on stuff. But regardless, I did that from home while doing uh, class. So it was, I think we started at like, it was 40 hours on the first year. And then I had to bring it down to like 30 hours a week. And then I think we like stabilized at like 25 to 30 hours a week doing the work, like full-time work while, um, while I also was doing school. So that was, that was fun. And then when I graduated um, after four years of this, um it was it was uh, like all right cool I feel like I've had a career at this point <laughs> yeah. and um and then I I, I was kind of like I mean I'd always you know known I'd wanted to take like my risks and like be like try something even bigger even greater all that kind of stuff so at the time a uh, Twitter this little small bird company was um was growing a lot and and um though I massively respected Facebook uh I kind of liked the underdog there and and I was like no we gotta I gotta like see what I can do and help these folks um, now, of course, in the end, it was them helping me in terms of understanding what the world really is and how chaotic things can get. But you just learn so much by going to a smaller company. And, and as it grew from the, it was like 40 people when I joined in 2009 wow. to 1,500, 1,500 people by the wow. uh, three years later when I ended up uh, leaving to start Envoy. So it's, wow. yeah, that was, a, that was a, that's some growth right there. Yeah, that's for sure. You don't get that- to know everyone's name. And that's when you started writing the code, right? Because these people were coming in and you just kind of interested, if I recall, like, who are these people? What's happening? Are they employees? Are they visitors? Is that the impetus? Yeah. Well, so that's the thing, right? Like at Google, like even in 2005, like we were tens of thousands of people. It was still, it was growing a lot. Um, But like what happened is Google, so Google has this like not in-house kind of thing where they want to just build everything themselves. Um, they do this because they, it's kind of like, Hey, these are, we want the best. And like, I don't know, there's like this, this, uh, there's an undertone of like, we're better than everyone. Um, which for what it's worth, is kind of an exciting environment to be part of. Um, when you're like, when you don't question that and you're just like in the bubble and you're like, yeah, we are the best. It's like, it's yeah. kind of fun. It's like a nice little community. Um, now reality is, uh, I mean, it's, it's like Google at the time, I would argue was yeah. the best, but anyways, uh, so, so in Google, they built a lot of their own things. They built their own like tooling for, for building stuff. They built their own stuff for like testing for even like their own programming language. Um, I had the guy that wrote Python uh, uh, code review, my, my Python. I, I forget what they call it when you like, you have to get approved for a programming language and then you're allowed to write it. So I had the guy that wrote it approve me. But regardless, the point is um, it's, it's, we built all these tools, including visitor sign-in things, including meeting room stuff, including mapping by using like an interface, including even like deliveries. And like, there's the shuttle schedule that they had. There is these, uh, like, it was like what's on in the food schedule. And, and like, it's very interesting because these problems are all things that Google employees internally decided to build on their own and like solve on their own. But the really interesting part is it was like, these are all the same problems every other company has. There were just no real products out there to, to really solve it in a way that the Google people liked. So in the end, what happened is when I joined Twitter and I noticed that, oh no, there's all these like 
literally there's random people coming into the office and and just yeah. walking around and there was no way to know who's who or anything like that there's meeting rooms that were booked no one's in there but you needed one we only had like three meeting rooms and it was it was just like all these problems i thought were solved and and when i started looking into it they weren't they were just solved at google and it turns out they were solved at apple at facebook at like as the companies kind of grew it was like these products were just being built it's very similar products independently being built by these companies internally inside of them and and it got me thinking that like i bet you if we built a company that only built these kinds of tools that it would be something and uh and it's essentially the the premise that started envoy and yeah we started with a visitor system that that grew because people used it, they kind of had to, and like they, they saw it they're like, oh, this isn't absolutely terrible, like everything else that they're used to for, for kind of workplace products. And, and they were like, this is great, let's bring it to our own office. And through that growth, uh, we've gone into something like 15,000 offices uh, that use it on a daily basis. And over time now it's been like, we have that visitor's product, we have all these like, there's like a deliveries product that like notifies people when packages arrive. There's, there's a meeting rooms product to make sure that rooms aren't booked and no one's in there. Um, there's like a desking product that we launched during the pandemic. And it's just like, ooh, it just keeps going and we just keep on launching more things. Wow. And it's, it's proven product market fit. My argument to the team, and it's always really hard because you can't tell people that like, trust me, it'll be fine and everything will totally work. Um, but it's just these products are absolutely proven. And there's a list of a hundred more that, that I can literally just like type up because <laughs> These companies built things independently for themselves. So you have to assume that these are universal problems. Wait, can I, that can people, I just interject yeah. for a sec? Yeah, wanna, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all good. It's, you know, so when you did it, you, did you do it for Twitter or you just did it because, oh, I think this is something that would be useful the same way you did with Google. Oh, this is like, you know, with WordPerfect. Oh, let me kind of play around with this. Which, yeah, which it, it would have been it would have been after it. Like I started Envoy, I think it was like six or seven months after I ended up leaving um, uh, Twitter. And I actually even went to like uh, so the, one of the. the but you, last so you were, so you started writing the code, but then yeah, because uh, we well, was... start writing the code after after Twitter because I was also oh, okay. actually at Shopify for like a few months. I, I gotcha, Shopify okay. is another Ottawa based company. Yeah. And and I, 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 the, there are three companies. There's the government, <laughs> government. There's Shopify, and uh, and then Cobalt. there's Corel, who does work perfect. Those are the three companies in Ottawa. Yeah. I promise it's not. Yeah. Anyways, so so um, uh, Molson Beer. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I, are they Ottawa? They they just have like things all over. But it's uh, yeah yeah no, it's true. It's yeah. There's not that many Canadian companies that are super popular, but like Brookfield is Canadian who did our series C and, and it's just like, I mean, leave it to Canada to know what's up, but it's, it's uh, just generally, I, I would say that it's, it just took a, a, a awful lot of, of figuring things out. And like, I was, I was visiting my parents. I found out that Shopify was in Ottawa. I said, hi over there. I had a friend who from high school that went working there. And then I got to meet Toby who was their CEO. And then we talked just a bunch of like, he just likes Silicon Valley things. So it was like really cool because I was like, oh my God, this guy gets me. Yeah. Um, but then it was like, no, no, no. I ended up leaving Twitter because I want to start something, not get pulled into something again. Although Toby made one hell of a case. Let me tell you, this guy is, is like legit. And, yeah. um, and then it was just like, no, I have to do this. This is the dumbest decision I'm ever going to make. I know that, but I need to do it. So, and, so you left, uh, so you're like, I'm going to leave Twitter, you know, now that yeah. grew to a thousand plus. So it's real. It wasn't yes. like 40 people that you'd be like, eh, who knows what's going to be. It was established. And you said, all right, I got this idea of how I can manage 
you know, for companies who's coming in, who's leaving, who's going to one office, if a package is delivered, let me do that. And let's see if I can really make a run of it. Yes. And this is by yourself. Did you have a team or just you, the idea? At the time. Um, so it was, uh, we had a, so one of my friends from Twitter uh, was a designer there and mm-hmm. he was kind of like, Hey, I uh, like, I'm going to be ending up leaving Twitter in a, in a few months. And like, Hey, we should talk about like, just like randomly doing something Like, do you have like a, uh like do you have any like side projects you're working on because i'd always been working on weird side projects usually they're just like for me or it's like finding some way to find like cheap award tickets on airlines or something and uh and the thing uh, and he was like do you need any design help on any random things that you're working on and i'm like hey you know what i could use a little bit of help on this like uh this this idea around like offices and he's like oh i was involved in the twitter version of that (laughs) and i'm like are you kidding me you literally built like you guys again are doing this and he's like oh i guess but it's i didn't understand it was such a touchy topic and yeah so it was it was kind of funny to to heard him like say that he he saw the one at uh at twitter but it's yeah so basically it it, it kind of like it made sense and then uh he helped to do some design uh and then uh, over time we just ended up hiring people and more more people and then it grew now to where we are and that was 2013 by the way when this all started yeah and um and then now it's uh what is it it's it's all a big blur but uh but it's it's been a little bit of time and things have grown and things are exciting and and just the roller coaster of very interesting moments um have has absolutely been interesting so when you start so when you and your buddy uh said hart we're going to make a go of this for for envoy did you get financing or did you say just where just could be two guys, you know, in an apartment, writing code, putting it together, being the salespeople, being the marketing people? Is that how it went? Yeah, I think it's essentially that there wasn't that much financing. Like we didn't really need it. Like when you only have like one or two people that kind mm-hmm. of um, uh, just don't really like it, even in the first like year of the company, like we didn't even really pay anyone. Um, now, when we did finance, we didn't back aid, but it's, there is something about like, um, it, it, I don't know, it's just a bunch of people that wanted to kind of just work on something interesting and small and all that. Like the the true, like I, I would argue it was like the true Silicon Valley, like real spirit yeah. in that, uh, where it's just people that want that, that philosophically came here to build things and just do cool things. Um, as opposed to like, uh, it, it, I just, I just think there's like, the the normal thing is like hey I want to go to where there's a lot of money and I'm going to make a lot of money and like then I'll be happy or something but it's the problem is that like the Silicon Valley I still argue is the highest density of people that will will basically spend an entire lifetime building things just because they want cool things to exist um, whereas the rest of the world is too kind of like it's it's just too pulled into this world of that like money is all that matters in the mm-hmm. end and and they kind of tell themselves oh no it's like also the people and all that but it's like really at the end of the day, but running at the back of their mind when they're working, it's about money. And it's, I think that Silicon Valley is still the highest density. There's a lot of places coming up now, especially with the pandemic, uh, having like kind of um, move people around a little bit. And, and some people are coming out of the woodworks, especially given more people are, are remote and all that, they can like be seen. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, philosophically, what we wanted to do is make it really awesome for, for people inside of workplaces because I had a really great time at, at Google. I had a really great time at, uh, at Twitter. Um, I, I literally chose Twitter because of the way this office looked on their website. They had this one picture. Um, it was much more dense when I arrived, but yeah. the picture looked really nice. And, uh, and when I interviewed, it was a really nice thing too. Like there was a website outage and I was like, oh my God, this is like exciting. Everything's going down. Like I couldn't be more excited. So, um, uh, so that was really fun. And then essentially after yeah, all that stuff, I, I was like, I want to make offices really awesome. 
Um, and then it comes a pandemic and it's like, no, you won't. But that's a whole different thing. So, so, so you were still a young guy when you did this, right? You 21, maybe I'm trying to think. Yeah, it would have. No, I was like 25 or something like oh, really? that. Like I was just young enough to not have a clue what I was doing. See, that's uh, the thing, the trick any, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's it's mandatory. The reason you have all these like 25 year olds or whatever starting these companies is because they literally do not know better. Yeah. If they knew, if they <laughs> only knew, just the like the horrors that happen and like just like it's not there's a reason the majority of people don't start companies, and it's not because like they didn't think of it. It's just like, there's a lot like organizing, like today we're what, like 280 people or something. And it's, it's a lot of people. They're all super, super wonderful. And it's like amazing to work with them. But it's like for us to be at even like what I consider just an, an amazingly stable, like where there's like, there's rules about things. We have like a comp process. We have like, uh, there's like a projects that, that don't change every single like day. Um, there's, there's, it's just, it takes a lot to build a company and and it's not like i knew any of that and it's kind of like not knowing was the was the thing that it's like oh no i can totally solve anything don't you worry and it's like yeah maybe i could but it's like i did not at all expect this but it's uh it's fun and it's exciting it's the biggest challenge that i think anybody can imagine and it's um yeah it takes a lot to like to to organize this you know, you, people but it's you fun bring, you bring up a really good topic in the sense that Give an example of skiing, right? I'm not much of a skiing, but I tried skiing. But if I think about, you know, now that I'm an older guy, I think, oh, well, if I go there and I break my ankle and then I break my ankle and my age, <laughs> break my ankle, it's not going to heal. I'm going to have this forever. And then you can't really enjoy going skiing because you think about, but when I was like, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, I, 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 you think indestructible, like I'm not going to die. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, it won't know? happen to me. Yeah, yeah it's not yeah, going to yeah. happen. You don't even think about it. It's not even an option. But then as you get older, you, you, you think of all those different permutations, what could go wrong? And it kind of then you self-censor thinking about it. So that's a good point that you've raised. So, so maybe when you're young, that's the best time because you're not burdened with all yes. the realities of what go, yeah, yeah. What go wrong. It, the, I, don't, I don't know what, it, what the word is here. It's like the naivete or like whatever it is, yeah. but like the, the ignorance is another way of putting <laughs> ignorance it. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is yeah, bliss. Yeah. That's it. It's kind of it's kind of nice. Like yeah. you don't know that you're going to have to deal with all this. If I knew it, if I would start like, oh my God, I don't even know that how I would. Yeah, that's a whole different story. But it's, I would just say that it's very, um, yeah. So that's that's what attracts a lot of people, like not knowing the, the thing you're going to go through. Um, it also like a lot of companies don't make it too. So like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like it's also very, very, very hard. And mm. like, I mean, our company, like, we went up to like some amount of employees down back to one and then like, oh, we were going to oh, back down to one again. Oh, we totally got it. This on 10 people. How could this possibly like, oh, no, they're all leaving. I like said this horrible thing that I absolutely didn't mean that way. But oh, boy, I can imagine how they interpreted that. All right. We're back down to one again. And then it's uh, it's just like it takes some time. And it's like ask me at the time, I certainly wouldn't have been nearly as as jolly about it, knowing where it ended up uh, so far. But it's. I mean, it's not the end. We could, but I think it's like at this point, it's we're gonna have different types of problems. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. really exciting, and it's it's just like, yeah, no, having been through it is is kind of fun. I still have most of my hair, which is nice, <laughs> um, and it's uh, so so that's good. But it's yeah, I don't know. It's just a big challenge. I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to really believe in what you're doing, and and you have to just like be like just insanely. I don't know, if stubborn's the right word, yeah. but like there's some there's a word for this where it's like you're. You're stubborn, but like it doesn't have to be as negative as stubborn normally is associated right. with. 
so, so it, does your mind get blown when you go into the office and there are 200 something people and you're like, I'm like a, you know, I'm just a coder guy. Like, what's up? And I got to worry about HR. I got to worry about legal. I got to worry about, you know, marketing. Is that, or do you just disassociate yourself from that and you have, you know, the head of HR, head of, you know, you know general counsel, and the, you're still just doing what you do best, which is kind of the engineering thing? It's, uh, so it's complicated. Yes, you yeah. will always have like, okay, so um, there will always be people that are much, much better than you at yeah. individual things. Right. And that is the kinds of people like, and those people oftentimes have no interest in, in doing what you do. They just want to like, because they see what the other departments do, and they see all the like, things they're dealing with. And they're just like, Oh, my God, I would never want to deal with that. And, um, and it's I'm pretty sure during the pandemic, literally exactly zero people wanted to be in my position of having to deal with a pandemic for a company that builds literally office place products. But it's, it's kind of like, so you get these experts, these people that really love what they do. And they are the leaders that actually know how to do the thing. And then now remember, there's still like the whole like the problem of the of the the like not knowing what you don't know. So I'm kind of like, oh yeah, no, we totally like we should do this thing in, in somebody's department, and they're like, no, we should. This is a terrible idea. Um, but it's it's kind of like you don't know that it's wrong. So I think over time, it's just you kind of you realize that you need experts in what they do because that's that's those are the true leaders. They've been in companies their entire career. They know kind of the, how the companies work and and the different problems and stuff that can happen, especially with people. Like I think uh, like people are awesome. The problem is that like, it's just like 200 something people that need things yeah. is, is like, you can't focus on any one person. So you have to do your absolute best to make sure you create systems. Uh, and, and you are insanely aggressive about making sure it's a fair system. Um, companies kind of start screwing up when they start making it. It's way easier to operate a company full of exceptions that are, are kind of like whenever something's hard, you make a one-off exception for the one person that's complaining. So the problem goes away but it's, um, you can't scale that. And so it, it naturally limits companies to a certain size. So of course, me being an engineer always wants things to scale and all that kind yeah. of thing. Um, over time, like we just end up building systems for stuff that are um, aggressively, uh, what's the word here? Uh, systems of aggressive fairness. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, so that's been, that's been really good, but it's, it definitely is a lot harder to operate a company where, where people are just like, all in a, in a system that's like very provably fair, but yeah. So do, you, do, you, do you rely upon, I know you've raised a lot of money through venture capitalists. Are they a resource that you could turn to or, or they would turn to you and say, hey, if you're having challenges like in this, you know, in the legal area, hey, we could recommend a good law firm or if you're having trouble with this, is that what happens? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So like Andreessen Horowitz was uh, one of the first like institutionals to really just like, be like yeah this is it like you guys are gonna be awesome and they just put a ton of money into us and this was 2015 and and Andreessen Horowitz in particular has all these different like programs they got like people that will help you with hiring they got people that will help you with HR they got people that will help you with like getting customers they had these EVCs where they'd bring in these like uh top companies and and you would literally pitch your your products and stuff to them so that was really nice in that yeah. like it really um they they really help you kind of like through the weird parts of of a company where you don't know these things. And so uh, so our partner, Andrew Chen, they're extremely helpful in, in us as we like went through all that and like in the, in the, it's been with us now for years. And then when we did our series B, uh, Matt Murphy from Menlo, um, just absolutely like literally, if there's like a problem, like I'll call him as opposed to necessarily like, it's like, no, 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 
the board only gets happy news. Um, there's kind of like the advice I normally get is like the board only gets happy news, mm -hmm. but it's also kind of like, I don't think most people have, uh, you have to have a really good relationship with, with your uh, board members because they'll just be like, when they're not used to getting like the real deal from everyone. And, um, and it's, it's kind of like when you are that, that different one, but you show that like you care about whatever metric isn't good or is, or whatever, um, they, it, the conversation changes from like whatever kind of skepticism to like, how can I actually help? And yeah, we built a really, really strong relationship. Now, Josh from uh, Brookfield as well, just like, these are like really good hearted people that just want to actually talk about companies and want to help. But it's like, you got to like, kind of give them the full story. They can't help if you only tell them everything's great while everything's mm -hmm. crashing in. And I mean, there's always a form of crashing in in companies, but like, it's never as, as bad as like, kind of, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just yeah. like, yeah, things. this is a weird analogy, but this is what I think happened with Russia right now. I think everyone is scared of Putin. So when, I don't know if you saw the videos where he had all his like secret service type of people coming in front of him and you could tell they were nervous. So they were just saying to him what they wanted to hear. I got a feeling they just said, oh yeah, we'll go into Ukraine and it'll be done in two days. And meanwhile, it seems like their tanks weren't really, you know, working that well. Their machinery wasn't, they weren't taken care of. So I could see what happens. Like you need to, to tell the VCs, hey, here's the real deal so they can make intelligent decisions. Otherwise it comes out in the end anyway, and then it looks bad. So this way, but you know what it seems like to me too, what's interesting, Larry, seeing, you know, and I really appreciate getting like the behind the scenes is almost like it's a, it's, it's a turnkey solution. So it's, it's the equivalent to, hey, I got a guy for that. I have a woman for that. I have a this. So that it takes some of the stress away because they've done this so many times that yep. like, don't worry, we've been it. Here's what you have to do for you know, public relations. Here's what you have to do for this. So that seems a great help. I'm curious about this as a side note. And this is not your company, just a general. In Silicon Valley, it seems that uh, like these VCs will take a sector, take an area, just throw a lot of money on it, betting on, you know, X widget company, and then try to make that the company in the space that will take market share from everyone else. And then they do it again and again and again. Is, is that, that's kind of just a feel yeah. from the outside. Is that kind of just, and I'm not saying it's wrong or bad. It just, is that kind of how it plays out? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that whenever there's a really good idea, there's going to be a lot of people doing it. And it's, it's kind of like, if it's a good idea, it's going to grow. So if a, if a VC was trying to invest in you and you chose the other guy, the one that was trying to invest in you is going to be like, all right, who else is doing that idea? Because I'm really excited about what that company just pitched me. And then they're going to find another company that's very similar that does it. And then you kind of get this thing. Uh, I mean, we saw it and there's so many industries and, and things where this happened. Like, I mean, the, the, the Uber and Lyft thing. Now we got all this crypto stuff and like all these NFTs. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, if, if, it's, a, if it's a hot thing that people are, are showing that they like and it's growing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're going to have you're going to have people uh, invest money into it. Um, yeah, it's cool, though. Like, OK, I, I want to be clear, though. This is not normal. Like, you don't just have people throw tons of money at new things. Yeah. Usually, like typical investment would be done in provable, like highly yeah. safe, like yeah. totally deterministic, <laughs> like safe things. Yeah. And it's like, this is so, so I, I just want to like reiterate how interesting it is that, that yes, they will put all this money into this like hot new thing uh, that is totally risky and that is totally unproven. And that actually goes against See, a lot that's of regulations. What is, that's my mind from the, from an outsider perspective, outside of that whole ecosystem, it blows my mind when you see how much money is raised. For, for companies where 
you like the business model is whatever, but even now, like places like Uber, I don't think they're profitable. So, and they're burning, I don't know the numbers, but millions each month. And I'm like, how, like, if I did that in my business, I'd be out of business. I couldn't burn through millions. Well, they can just month. tell a really good story about like, well, you know what, if we wanted to be profitable, we could, but would <laughs> you sorry. like to sacrifice growth? <laughs> oh, you don't. Oh, that's great. Wonderful. Oh we God. will take that hundred million dollar check. I mean, all the companies play this game and there's a bit of it. It's just like, I think it's just at the end of the day, you do have to make a, a conscious decision about if you don't grow fast enough, your competitors will. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I, I understand the whole like no VC movement. Like this is like, they're very interesting movements, by the way, just in general in the world. But one of them is like no VC or like, no, I, I'm proud I didn't take any kind of investment uh, from, from uh, outside. And it's like, I can understand the, the idea there. It's like, hey, super merit-based. I spent a lot of time. It's like people use it because they used it before or something or their friends use it and they say good things. But it's also kind of like the moment your competitors um, start building the same thing and they do get $100 million loaded mm -hmm. into their bank account, you're kind of like, well, okay, I guess I'm just not any, I guess we have no chance of being yeah. the best anymore. Yeah. And then and then you get into this really annoying cycle of not only are the, let's just say you have the best product, you now have this inferior product that has gotten all this cash and, and you're kind of like, okay, your high horse has long left you. You are now kind of like, okay, well, I guess we're just, we're still no VC, but like, there's all this, like your competitor with an inferior product is just destroying you out of yeah. not even merits. And then you're kind of like, oh man. So, so it's kind of like, I understand it for the lifestyle business or, or the like, I think that's like a meme now you're supposed to call it something else, but it's, it's like, I understand it for people that just kind of want to build something and want to have fun in the process. But I don't know, there's weirdos like myself, we, we want to be the best and we want to like <laughs> yeah. the maximum challenge yeah. and like nothing is ever good enough. And it's like, I think that that's like a really exciting, that really brings a lot of purpose to at least myself and everybody else. So it's it's there's something about winning and wanting to win and and it's like yeah you got to do some crazy things and you gotta yeah you gotta take on a lot of investments um hopefully you do it on good terms and you do it with people that are going to be supportive in your board meetings but it's uh yeah there's a, just a lot to it it's uh yeah it's it's fun it's a, yeah yeah I, I love that you're, you're so open and talking about it because so many people like myself included you know, you know, you read, you watch, but you're not sure really what's going on. So it's not only hearing your career arc, your whole story, but then kind of like the insider, this is how it works. So I think a lot of people, again, like myself, admit it, like you always want to have like what goes on behind the scenes. So it's kind of very illuminating. But also I want to do is take a step back because you're, you're a nice guy and a modest guy. And I know you don't want to kind of, you know, be like this promoter for your company, but I'm a shameless promoter kind of guy. So it's okay. So I just want to make sure people who are watching this understand it. If I understand, if I, if I understand, you know, Envoy correctly, read what it boils down to is several things is that now that people, it looks like the hybrid model is here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. So that when people come back into an office, it, your, your, your app, your platform, make sure that when people come back, it's safe, it's secure. You don't have to worry about getting sick. You know, they have it, you know, designed so that, you know, there's distance and so forth. But then whether you have a package, it could help with a package, it, who's coming into the office, who's leaving the office, who should be there. Is, is that kind of how, how it works? Yeah, I mean, that's essentially it. So, so we're a company of a bunch of people that care about workplaces. And we, we care about the experience inside of workplaces. And we care that people really enjoy their time there. Like, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of community building and a lot of like just really positive things that can happen in workplaces. And it's not like, 
either I work from the bedroom for life or mm -hmm. I'm in the world's worst uh, like uh, office where like I have cubicles everywhere and I, I hate everything. So there is there's the, the middle ground is actually way more common, which is that mm -hmm. like people want some time at home. They want some time right. at the office. They want to like meet others. They, it's and this is like the whole concept. The concept is we are building software for workplaces to make them just better places for everyone in them. And and it's not just the employees, but the visitors, the contractors, everybody coming in. And and it's software designed for consumers, software designed for like people to actually want to use and and mm -hmm. learn more about their people. Like there's there's stuff like mapping in there. You can see where people sit. You can like invite people to come in. You can find out when your friends are coming in. You can like literally put a star beside yes, them and get notified. This is what like, I that's hear. the kind of stuff. Because this is what I hear, Larry. I hear from people who say, hey, I'm in a hybrid. I come in, let's say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I come in, let's say where I live in the New York area. So you come in from one of the suburbs, takes an hour and a half to come in, an hour and a half to go back. You're in the office and you're sending emails you're on Zoom calls and you look around and like, there's nobody there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you gotta so, organize. So, so what you do is like with your kind of app and platform, it, it makes sure that doesn't happen. So if I come in, I know I need to deal with Larry. I need to deal with April. I need to deal with Christine. I know they're in the office. So I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I'm gonna come yep. in and my time yep. is worth coming in. So, yep, so it's, that's it's, exactly it. it's those kind of things that really resonate. So it makes work better. And then where do you, do you have a sense of where you're gonna see, because now you're kind of a real estate maven in a way, kind of knowing all like you have thousands of clients and all these buildings around you know the world. Do you get a sense of like what the workplace is going to look like moving forward? Yeah, I mean it's it's just here's the thing. I think that uh, sometimes I get asked like, where do you see the world in like three or five years? It's like in workplaces. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. not just saying that because I happen yeah. to run a workplace company, yeah. but it's it's because like you just see it. Like I think we it's it's you see people, you see them like enjoying working with each other. You see them kind of getting to know each other. You see them kind of like, it's like, it just doesn't have to be every day. That's all. That's the only difference here. Um, and it's, it's by the way, things people have been doing since the beginning, like even, yeah. even long before the pandemic, people were doing work from home days. They were doing like no meetings Thursdays and like that kind of stuff. So now that there's a, just a little bit more on the, on the like at home piece, people need to be more organized and they need to kind of like, hey, let's go back together as groups and have these specific things we're going to work on and, and talk about. And like, I think just on a daily basis now, we do something like 100,000 people on a daily basis that are using kind of our mobile app and our, our different products to kind of get into the office and, and, and make sure when they get there, they're not just going to be going into an empty office and an empty meeting right. room where they're going to be staring at a bunch of people that are at home. So it's, right. uh, so that yeah. should, uh, yeah, that makes it, it just makes it easier. Cool. And it's all the different logistics of like figuring out how companies um, need to like, it's like just figuring out all the different pieces. You need to like get a desk while you're there. You need a meeting room. You may need parking. You may need food and, and logistically organizing all that is a pain. So we basically make it easy through plugins and through different partnerships to make it uh, easy for companies to just have all of that organized as people kind of appear at, at random times. That's great. Hey, before we head out, I don't know if April, April, Christine, are you still there? Yes. Are you, are you okay? If we, we just, uh, break down the fourth wall and talk about it. Uh, when, when Larry was talking about when he was 17, writing code, working for Google, I had this feeling like, man, I'm such a loser. I was not doing any of that. When you were in high school, can you imagine writing code, doing things, building a business and working for like Google? No, but having <laughs> grown up with uh, immigrant parents, I've worked since I was eight years old. So it forces you to kind of grow up fast. So I relate in that sense with Larry. 
So you weren't writing code, but you were working. Yeah. Your, your dad no. had a painting firm, right? Yeah, I was just cutting checks oh. in, in like fifth grade. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's the okay. way to do it. Okay, yeah. it sounds like she's got to figure it out even more okay. than us. Like it's like she was cutting checks. And, and yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> April, how about are you okay talking about like what were you doing back then? Is she there? <laughs> all right, right April, right, you're on the spot. Are we April 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 being awesome. Spot. April was being awesome wherever she was, and it was wonderful. Oh, I'm sorry, I was distracted by someone else. Where was I <laughs> back when? Yeah, because yeah, when Larry was 17 ish, and he was writing code for Google, and <laughs> all that. And I'm thinking, when I was 17, I, I I was smoking weed, probably and drinking too much, and being just a bit, you know, just goof off, you oh, know, being a 17 year old. Uh, and and now know. I'm regretting it. So how about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't 17 back then, but I was living in New York trying to make a career as a, a you know, in video production. In right, 17. Wow. Wow. Cool. Ah, that's why. Okay. Now it's all starting to make sense. Not April. At 17. Like, this is, we're getting the video oh. production. We're getting the like, okay, I, I understand where there's all these cameras in the office these days. Okay. This is making a lot more sense. <laughs> okay. But wait, is the question, are you asking me where I was at 17? Yeah, because that's when Larry was working like oh, at Google okay, so and writing code for Google. I'm like, wow, that was so uh, impressive. And I was playing I, field hockey, okay? okay. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, wow. Okay. That's okay. Well, you, all right. You do something productive. Uh, right, cool. And getting ready for college. Okay. Yeah. My friends were throwing ice skates at each other uh, and um, and like falling through like uh, thin uh, thin ice. Exactly, that's what I'm talking about. That's what most people are doing. Similar right? form of, of uh, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like hockey in a form. Um, See, yeah, right. They do dopey guy stuff at 17. <laughs> that's and, right. and you're right. I was not. Google. I was alone at home uh, on my computer, but I was with millions, billions of people in the yeah. cloud. It's totally great. This is what yeah. I taught myself. And, and listen, now you have the last laugh because the guys who are throwing the skates in the ice are probably big losers now. And so <laughs> I no, said, they're, they're great people. They're great people. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. <laughs> well, I really appreciate so much. This is this was so it's so great on so many levels because you know. I think a lot of people, when they hear these stories, at least I feel this way, Christine, April, I don't know, when you hear these stories, it kind of gets you motivated and, and makes you feel good. Like, hey, you know what? People have adversity. Because a lot of times you look at people who are successful and you just grumble. Let's let's be frank, you know, in the media today, but isn't that the case? Like someone's successful and they grumble, oh, you know, they had it handed to them or what have you. But oftentimes you hear their story and there's a lot of tough times leading up to it. So it's really good to hear it. And it's also good when, you know, whether, even if you're not starting a business for the people who are watching, there's a lot of them with white collar workers and they're looking for jobs, looking to go through their career. So it shows that like, hey, there's lots of adversity. So if you don't get the job, if you don't get hired, if you don't, if you get ghosted, it's not just you, it's just, that's how it is. It's just really tough and a lot of challenges. And usually you see the people like Larry here after he succeeded, but you didn't, he, you know, but if you didn't tell the backstory, you wouldn't know, gosh, there was a lot of heartache, a lot of stress, a lot of time, a lot of aggravation, a lot of, you know, parents gave up a whole lot and took a lot of risks to make it happen. So that I think these kind of stories are really empowering. And I think it makes people feel good that they say, hey, you know what, he's, he, I'll give you an example. Like one of the reasons I started my search firm because I met a guy who was super nice, super awesome. And I was like, wow, if he could do it, I can do it. And I think, you you know, the people say, hey, you know what? Larry seems like a nice, normal, together guy. And if he could do this and build something, well, I should try, at least try myself. So I think this is, this is one of the things I personally really love about doing this because it shares these stories and I hope it impacts people and makes them say, hey, you know what? 
whether they want to start a business, whether they say, you know, I was going to go for that new job. Now I feel I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. You know, I have a bad boss, jerky boss. I'm going to do better, or I'm going to go back to school and learn something new so I can go forward. So these, these are the kind of stories I think we need to hear more of. And I really dude, seriously, I appreciate you're so open and honest and sharing. That was great. And, uh, and I think a lot of people are going to love hearing this. Nice. Nice. Absolutely. I think my like piece of advice to folks would yeah. just be like, if this is like a common thing, but like, don't compare your B-roll to somebody else's A-roll because it's like, it's never good news when you do that. So it's like, yeah, I That's think great. people are totally capable. It's just, you got to stop that comparison. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Nice. So, so thank you so much, Larry. It was great. April, Christine, thanks for getting everything all set up. And uh, for everybody, thanks for watching. What we'll do is we're going to edit it. We'll bring it back again. And so this way, you know, you didn't catch the whole thing. You can watch it, listen to it. So thank you very much, everyone. Nice. Thank Take you. Uh, you're welcome. Cool. Bye-bye.